Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 50 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. I really cannot believe that I've made it to episode 50. It was just a year ago that I started all of this, really not knowing how it would go at all. And now here I am on the 50th episode. I will be hitting 30,000 downloads in the next couple of days as well. So that's another important milestone. I'm happy to be able to say to all of you that this has really helped my life and my healing process. And I hope and pray that it has helped in the hope and healing of others as well. So thank you so much for supporting me. Thank you for the letters that you have written. Thank you for all of the encouragement. Speaking of letters, I do want to mention a letter that I received just about a month ago now. I'm going to read a portion of that right now. Just as an encouragement, which I'm sure you know, Gwen's sessions and wisdom always minister to me incredibly. Your husband at the end of each session asks for suggestions. Could Gwen share her wisdom on bereaved parents whose child died because of brokenness or bad choices, addictions, etc., and the complicated grief that we as parents experience because of it? She goes on to explain that her son had died of an accidental drug overdose and that she would love to hear Gwen's wisdom about losing your child because of their bad choices and the guilt that we as parents feel because of it. I forwarded that email to Gwen to see what she thought about doing an episode like that, and she quickly responded back that she would be happy to do so, but that she didn't want to do it just the two of us. She wanted to have our friend Lisa participate as well. Lisa's son died of an overdose as well, and she knows that guilt and struggle far too well. Gwen knew that her input would make this episode far more powerful than she and I could do by ourselves. So, to that listener, thank you for the letter, and I hope this offers some help to you. Again, to others, please reach out with similar thoughts. If you have ideas for us, please let us know. If you would like to be on the show, please let me know. Again, I am booking things for October and November. And if you would love to share your story, I would love to help you. Thanks a lot. And I hope you enjoy episode 50. So today, I have the privilege of having two guests on my show. So I had a listener reach out recently and ask if Gwen would want to talk about overdose deaths and just the feelings that moms can go through of 
guilt and anger and just all those kind of negative emotions that tend to go along with some deaths like this, if Gwen would be willing to talk about it. And so I reached out to Gwen and she said, absolutely, but I really think we need to have Lisa come Mm -hmm. on as well. So Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, And I would really love if you would just tell your story. Okay. Well, thank you, because I don't share my story very often, and I especially don't share it in detail, and there's a lot of reasons why I don't. But um, 11 years ago, in May, my husband and I were preparing to go on our 25th wedding anniversary weekend away, and I was running a small business, and so um, I had my son Jordan, um, handling that for us while he went while we went away and Jordan is my second of four boys and mm-hmm. he was 18 at the time just graduating high school and we got up early I'd gotten up early actually and I ran to Meyer and I'm quickly doing pictures for his open house at 7 30 in the morning I thought I'll quick get this done before we take off and I came home and I had my bags packed and Jordan wasn't waking up and I could all night long we heard him snoring kind of wasn't unusual but we had heard him snoring and um, I thought, boy, it's getting nine o'clock. We want to go. It's time to get yep. him up. So, and he was a sleeper. He was a late night kid anyway. So we didn't really think much of it until I went in to wake him up and he wouldn't, his eyes wouldn't open. And he just that somber snoring, you know, that's yeah. that sound. And so I started just pounding him on his sternum, and I'm just yelling at him, Jordan, wake up, wake up. And I hollered for Jerry to come, my husband, and my oldest son, Cody, and they came running up upstairs. We have a two-story home. I hollered at Cody, yelled, you know, 911, call 911. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, they came, of course, the ENT guys came, the police came, they started digging through his pockets, looking for either notes or drugs, or I don't know what they were looking for. It was just, you know, it's just all such a whirlwind when you're sitting there, you know, seeing your son in that way. So we got him in the, they got him into the ambulance. We ended up heading towards Spectrum and we just said, let's just take him to Spectrum. You know, I still didn't register with me what was really happening with Jordan. I just didn't connect any dots at that point. I, it really took us for a loop, just blindsided us basically when we, realized what was happening but when we got to the emergency room is about when things started connecting with me and I'm thinking he had to have taken something you know Jordan loved life and he was a risk taker unfortunately for him Mm -hmm. he was with a friend that night the night before not someone he normally hung with and that's not to excuse what he did or not to blame the other person he was with but it was a person that he normally did not hang with and Anyways, what we had found out, you know, as things were coming out that we had learned that the drugs that he had given was prescription drugs, an opioid. They had um, done the tests on him. He was still alive. He was actually in a coma uh, for two and a half weeks, but uh, they had found methadone in his system. So from the 23rd until June 9 is actually when he passed away. He was in ICU and parts of him would come back, but... Uh, like his kidneys and other things were starting to function. So we're thinking, okay, God's doing a miracle right? and he's coming back. Right. 
But we didn't understand at the time that he had had, because he had lost oxygen all night long, that 70% of his brain um, was not functioning. And basically, uh, he would have been a vegetable in a nursing home somewhere. You know, maybe a miracle would have happened, but, you know, which we were believing for. But honestly, reality could not sink into my brain. But I was just hoping beyond hope that he would survive and come out of this and walk out. And we'd have this huge story to tell. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. He ended up passing away on June 9 in the morning. And Mm -hmm. uh, thankfully, I was with him that morning when he passed away. I pretty much spent my time in the hospital 24-7. Yes. I just, you know, you just cannot leave your child behind. So, yeah. So I I stayed with him. Um, I slept actually on the floor for a couple of nights, and then my sister advocated for me to get a cot. So I got a cot, and stayed there um, by his bedside as as much as I could. I went home as much as I could to take care of my other kids, but I I basically, my attention was on Jordan. So I don't know what else to add to that other than just it. They kept him alive from June 9 to June 10 and asked if we could, you know, if we could donate the body, body parts. And we opted not to, which is also another thing of guilt you feel. You feel like, you know, maybe we should have done that. But mm-hmm. again, we were just believing God would maybe raise him up from the dead. I don't know. <laughs> you know. Right. Again, it's it's pretty much that's my nutshell of the story. So, yeah. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about Jordan? Yeah. You know, just talk about Jordan yeah. as a kid. I, you know, I, I love that because that I could probably go on for a long time and, yeah. and not end. You know how that is. You just, you know, you have all these things. But honestly, Jordan, um, being the second one in the family of boys, he was the sneaky Pete of all my kids. Yeah. But one of the most tender boys, too. And he was like our glue. He was our nucleus. Yeah. So he was very close to my oldest son. They were just 18 months apart. He was very close to my third son, who was a who, who was a very, well, I'd say techie, very much a computer whiz kid. So he always connected with him. And then my youngest, he would always just, you know, like protect, like he was, you know, mm-hmm. Papa Bear. So he very much had a special place for in each one of my boys' lives. And I have pictures of him sliding down in his shorts and in my husband's boots in middle of winter in shorts and a t-shirt and sliding down our steps. You know, he was just that, that kid. He was a lot of fun. If he wanted to do something like a backflip, he would teach himself how to do a backflip. Mm-hmm. You know, he just took risks. He, he went snowboarding one time and decided that he could do a flip on a snowboard. Never did it before. <laughs> And I didn't find out till weeks later, but he had a, had to had a concussion. He had actually oh, hit no. his head, knocked himself out, and um, never told me, of course. So, but those were the kinds of things he was. I loved one thing I loved about having the visitation was just hearing the lovely things that people said about him because those are things you don't always know. You see sometimes as a parent, and a lot of times you see the not so great things about your kid, uh-huh. but to hear other people, teachers and other students that were younger, older, say things about him that really blesses you. You know, he was the kid that would come pick you up early and take you to school if you needed a ride. He was like the original Uber guy, you know, yeah. he, he did, he loved to drive kids around and he was there for them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I said, he, he was, he loved life. He loved to take risks. And, you know, he, he just, I, I, you know, unfortunately, this was one risk that um, he could not mm-hmm. overcome. So 
did you find out later if this had been an a lo- long-standing issue or was just kind of a short-term thing? Um, you know, with Jordan back then, of course, marijuana and drinking, you know, underage was uh, against the law. Jordan had gotten caught with marijuana. Mm-hmm. So we knew there was these issues of marijuana. Now, he was on probation at this time, so he was not doing marijuana. However, I don't know with drug testing if methadone or any other opioids show up in urine testing. So I don't know if that's why he chose to go that route or if he just thought, hey, this is a good feeling. I, I like this. I really don't know. And for years, I was in denial in thinking that, you know, he hasn't, he didn't do it. This was the only time he did it. You know, I tried to, to yeah. make it look like, you know, there, this wasn't an ongoing thing. I really don't know. I haven't poked that bear. Yeah. I have a feeling that because he was on, you know, prohibited from doing marijuana, that maybe this was an option and he had been doing that for several months. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. Know. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't change anything, does it? It does not change anything. No. No. Mm-mm. Not not at all. Unfortunately, you you know you just have to live with what is, and try to move forward with that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. As Lisa was sharing. I was just going to ask um, to talk about the difficulty of learning details as they came out. I've had a lot of parents that they didn't know because kids don't tell their kids, hey, mom, dad, I'm, I'm walking the wild side here and I'm taking some risks. They don't tell their parents that. And so as parents, we don't think, wow, we trust when they say they're going out with John and Steve and they're going to the drive-in movie that that's what they're doing. So then when we learn these details, I've had parents talk about the shock, but then also the anger that they didn't, their child didn't tell them always the truth of where they were who they were with and then of course we'll get to the guilt of I should have known I should have checked closer I should have did you have some of those feelings I did I and I did not realize how complex the overdose death is for a parent because exactly Mm -hmm. that I I thought I could change things you know and you know, two months before he actually uh, passed away, I kind of just had this weird thought, you know, as moms sometimes get, I just kind of had this weird thought. What if he's doing something harder than just, you know, because I knew he wasn't able to do marijuana. And um, I kind of just dismissed it and just blew it off. But here we are then two months later, and he's struggling in the hospital to survive. And um, yeah, I, I felt a lot of guilt, like maybe that was that point that I could have addressed that with him. Mm -hmm. I knew his friends that he hung with his friends knew, knew about it and never confronted him with it. And I don't know that would have changed anything with him. And so I never passed blame or except for on myself, but I never passed, passed blame on his friends or anybody that had a connection with him because I just, I don't know. I just didn't have enough energy, I guess, to put into being angry with them about, oh, if only they hadn't said something. I I just felt like it was more 
on me and it was Jordan. You know, he's the one that made those choices and that forgiveness had to go towards Jordan more than anybody. Yeah, that's that what point. I was going to ask mm-hmm. about that, about the mm-hmm. anger towards Jordan yeah. and that road to forgiveness and what yeah. that looked like for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I went in as soon as he was brought into the hospital. I never blamed anybody. I right away, you know, said, I'm going to just walk in forgiveness because right now, my focus is on making sure Jordan is well right. and gets better. So I had to let go of that. And when I started learning details about, you know, where the drugs may have come from and who he was with and that the friends knew and didn't say anything to him about it, they have to deal with their own guilt of that. I yes. I, I wasn't going to try to take care of that for them. But I definitely just had learned um, in my walk with the Lord is just I had to start with forgiveness first and just, you know, yeah. trust that. With Jordan especially, I was I was angry at Jordan. I was yeah. really angry. And I always say when I get to heaven, I'm going to first punch him in the arm. And then I'm going to give him a hug. <laughs> but that's just the kind of humor I have. I'm sorry. But yeah, I, I definitely had to walk in forgiveness towards him and how it has upset our family life and this whole thing of grief. You know, we just, it, it, it stinks, you know. Mm-hmm. And I know Jordan, if he had known how much trouble this has caused us and our family he would have never done what he did never taken the risk because that was the kind of young man he was however um here we are and I know that he's I know that he's okay now but it's yeah but yeah you're not right I'm not and 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 I'm still working on that and so still working on that that's okay (laughs) yeah that's what the challenge is right right Mm-hmm. And it does sound like he was very much a center point in mm-hmm. your family. So very that much. makes it yeah. even more difficult, I would say, when it you're does. when you feel like you're the glue. Yeah. Definitely does. I mean, it definitely upset our whole way of family life. And it still does a little bit to this day. We've learned to kind of adapt and we've melded together differently. But it's it has. It's taken a whole nother um, route to begin with. We just we were lost. We were all just lost. And I mean, for me as a, as a parent going down this road, and I don't know if this is across the board for other parents, but I felt lonely. I felt Mm -hmm. isolated. I felt like, um, you know, people were looking at us differently because of how Jordan died. Yeah. And I was very scared to go to church, especially church. Unfortunately, it's not against our church. It's just that I had this idea that they were you know, judging us somehow on school, teachers, coaches. um, I was worried that my other kids would be affected by that. And they would tell their kids, you know, don't hang with the new houses. (laughs) They're bad kids or just because of what Jordan went through. And yeah, I, I, I had a lot of, a lot of struggles with being, uh, feeling isolated and alone Mm -hmm. and, you know, ashamed basically. Yeah. And did you feel as much of the judgment as you thought you would? I I don't, I think more people were more kind and receptive, but because I was so afraid of how it reflected on me, Mm -hmm. I was focusing on me and how it reflected on me that I think people were more gracious than I gave them a chance to. Mm -hmm. I just went in thinking this is how people are perceiving me and this is what, and this is how they're going to treat me. So I wouldn't, look at them or I wouldn't go to places or I would just, you know, I ended up staying home. I ended up self quarantining myself basically because of that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Marcy, I want to address parents who maybe the addiction or um, to drugs or alcohol was a long-term problem. Mm-hmm. What Lisa was talking about was, you know, he was a young man. They just knew a little bit. But some parents who have children who die from overdoses, it's been a very long haul. Yes. And one of the things that a mom shared with me once was feeling so bad that she felt such relief. And she described that every night she wondered where her son was. Mm -hmm. Is he in the ditch? Is he, because he would be gone for long periods of time. Like he lived on the street. He was, you know, out doing drugs. They didn't see him for months at a time. And she always wondered when she'd get the call or where he was. And there were times that he would call and say, I have no money. I have no place to live. She'd meet him somewhere. She'd take him to lunch. She tried to help him. But every night, her and her husband wondered where he was and how he was. So when he died, she could go to sleep knowing that she didn't have to worry about that anymore. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. that guilt that you have, yes. that it's over. It's kind of, you know, long-term caregivers feel the same way, that when the death comes, there's a sense of relief that the the care and the suffering is over. So that's something to be addressed and relief is not a cause for shame. It is a normal response to carrying something so heavy and that we don't have control over. Mm -hmm. Um, Wouldn't it be great as parents, even when we first have kids, we even think we can control them as toddlers and to behave in a way. But as they become adults, we certainly can't Mm -hmm. make those choices for them. Mm -hmm. So any parent lives with if only I could have guided their life or if they had listened because we love them so much and we absolutely want what's best for them and choosing drugs or alcohol is not what's best for them. But Mm -hmm. my dad's very wise. He just turned 93 last week and he would share all the time about drugs and alcohol because there was addiction in my family Mm -hmm. from both sides and believing that there's some hereditary factor to that. He wanted us to be aware And he'd say, no one ever plans to become an addict. Right. No one ever takes that first drink or that first hit ever thinking, this is going to destroy my life. No. So, and then the piece of parents having, I've had another dad talk about how he just didn't understand why his child couldn't stop. Mm -hmm. That it seemed easier to the dad and then after his son died he said I put so much pressure on him saying I don't know why you know you just make a choice you just stop doing it and then he had the guilt of how he handled addiction because you know again just as much as the addict didn't plan to be an addict families aren't prepared for what addiction is and we have to especially if it's a long-term problem that you're dealing with is inform yourself equip yourself with the tools and so one of the things that we talked about before we started recording was the fact that you're going to share a few resources Mm -hmm. and through Al-Anon and other things there's resources out there for parents of how to help themselves and to be the best in that relationship But one of the things that I also, you know, Lisa mentioned it and so many parents is that guilt. Yes. And what do I do with the guilt? Mm -hmm. And guilt is something that has to be spoken. It has to be said out loud. Find a trusted friend or someone and have that person mirror back to you. Um, You know, and as, as I've been a friend with Lisa for a long time and why I asked you to have her be part of this segment is... And she's done a great job of mirroring back that 
she did the best she could with what she knew at the time. Yes. The information that she had, you know, again, we do give our kids some autonomy to make choices and to go out there. And even if they say, you know, I'm hanging with this person or you have that, you said, this is the first time I've heard that part where you said a few months before you had that wondering, but at that moment you didn't like now go back at that moment. You probably have an intervention. You'd probably sit him down and say, wait a minute, here's my mommy radar. And I want to talk to you about if you're doing something harder and what, but at those moments, we're, we're just doing the best we could. And so that gentleness on ourselves, were there any other techniques or anything that people did? You know, I don't mean to put you on the spot that helped you process that guilt that just said, mom, you know, you don't need to carry all of that. Well, I don't have a magic solution for that. <laughs> However, I think the best thing I had was obviously forgiveness. I talked about that before, but I think just forgiving myself. Yes. Like you said, just I did the best with what I knew to do at that time. And I think it just takes time and just letting yourself, um, because I'm a believer, you know, I just had to keep just telling myself, you're forgiven. You did the best you could. God loves you. You just had to keep affirming myself of those things. It just took time. It just, it just took me time and I, I had a lot of willpower too. I mean, I'm stubborn. So I have a lot of willpower and I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to do this. You know, I did not want to give up. I did give up sometimes, but I just really kept pushing through. I kept thinking, okay, just today's a new day. Yeah. Start each day. Start each day new. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just had to keep pressing forward and pressing on. And I I don't know if I, like I said, I don't have any magic solutions to that, but um, definitely just keep pushing, keep, keep going up, keep getting up every day. Well, I think a lot about the guilt too, and that people will say, oh, that's not your fault. Oh, don't. And that's really not that helpful. Right. So when you do turn to a friend and say, I'm feeling horribly guilty. Yeah. I mean, I had some of that too. Yeah. Why did I go to the baseball game? Yeah. Why did I stop and get this ticket? Why did I do this? And I, I mean, and those were like silly things that obviously I couldn't have seen coming. Mm-hmm. But yet I feel that guilt and people will say back to you, well, kind of almost throwing it off like that's stupid. Yeah. yeah. It's stupid for you to feel guilty. Right. And I would think you might have gotten that a little bit because oh, yeah. you didn't have any idea. No mm-hmm. one had any idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of his friends, but your friends, it's not like other people saw stuff that you missed. Right. Right. So they probably were... Well, you have nothing to feel guilty about. Yeah. Yeah. But I just feel like that's just not helpful. No. You need someone right. that will say, I can see why you would feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and and let's talk through your feelings. Yeah. And this is why I think you did great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And kind of showing you, mm-hmm. showing you not to feel the guilt, not telling you not to feel the guilt. Right. So showing you the ways that you were a great mom and you Mm -hmm. were doing great things, but not just telling you. Right. Right. That question of what was your understanding at that time? Mm -hmm. Your understanding at that time was that was a fun activity to do was to go to that ball game. I mean, there were some things that you were looking forward to. And that 2020 vision that we all have afterwards of... the fun wasn't worth the cost. We just didn't right. know. And so bringing us back to 
why we make decisions. And sometimes for me, as someone who has done grief work all the time, I question every decision being, is this going to be the one I'm going to regret? Right. You know, was I supposed to go not and making decisions about to go somewhere or what route to take could be life altering. And I I live with that awareness. And it is that at this moment, this is the best decision I can make. And it may or may not have consequences in my future, but we don't know. Well, it very much reminds me of talking to moms whose children have died by suicide. Very mm-hmm. much the same. And I think instead of just telling you, don't feel that way, mm-hmm. that, that just doesn't work. No. It, it doesn't. And I feel like that's what a lot of these parents get all the time. It's just people saying, well... This totally wasn't your fault. Why would you think it was your fault? This mm-hmm. don't you have nothing to feel guilty over. Just just telling them how they were doing great, the good decisions they were mm-hmm. making is the best way to go, yep. right? Yeah. Mhm. Yep. I that and I had a couple of very close friends and um, and a sister who said that to me. You know, you were a great mom. And every time they'd say that, I would just flood with tears because yes. you feel you don't feel like that great mom. No, you know, after all of that. So, it it is crucial to tell people not what they should feel, but identify and say yes. I I can understand that. You know. And, yeah, I totally and, get it. Yeah. Uh huh. Right. That's mm-hmm. very good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you don't feel like a great mom. I mean, I even think of myself with just the remaining kids I had at Mm -hmm. home. I feel like I was Mm -hmm. turned into a cruddy mom, a horrible mom. And I suppose I wasn't. But you still kind of feel like I wasn't what I used to be. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. So then to try to remember back to before the death, like, well, I feel like a cruddy mom now. So really, was I a great mom? Because I don't know that <laughs> right. I was a great mom, you know? I know. I know. Well, that, that actually reminds me of the people who have to make some tough love decisions, mm-hmm. you know, that have made decisions to maybe not rescue a child who's and kind of allowing them to have some consequences of their behaviors. Then they feel guilty after the fact. But again, at that moment, that was a loving decision to make because we're trying to correct that behavior and find ways to do that. But that leads to some guilt too, is was I too hard? Yeah. Was I, and, and those decisions that we make were, I mean, 99.9% of the parents that I meet, the decisions were made out of love and doing the best that they could. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think back to the interview I did on Thanksgiving this past year was uh, with a mom whose son died of an overdose. And it was, I feel like she felt guilt in both directions because sometimes she was hard on him and sent him off to another school and trying to get this. And then other times she just wanted to hug him and she just let him come home and he came home drunk and high and whatever and I just give him a hug anyway. And so it was ended up being no win. I feel like those situations are really no win. Right. I mean, you're, yeah. Well, and they're actually grieving before the death because they're grieving who, loving a child who isn't acting themselves because they're under the influence. And that does change them. So they're grieving even before they actually die. Mm-hmm. 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 
Yeah, I recently listened to a story of a man who lost two of his sons to overdose, mm. both of his wow. sons. The first one was a long-standing issue, just like what you kind of mm-hmm. explained, almost of just waiting for it to happen. Mm-hmm. It was going to happen. No matter what he was right. trying, he was going to lose this boy. And then the second one was almost out of the blue, just <sighs> over just a couple of months going from nothing to being having died from an overdose so he experienced both ends of that wow and that leads to one of the other things is that fear and I was going to ask Lisa did you have a fear with your other children um and we all as moms get that hyper vigilance Mm -hmm. I'm not going to risk anything else ever and so did you have to kind of work through that fear I did because I well when you were saying that that's what brought up to my mind too we had an issue with our youngest son starting to smoke marijuana and I freaked out. I just, I started freaking out in front of him and I was screaming and crying. I said, you, this, this is how it started for Jordan. You know, you, you can't be doing this. And he, he just felt horrible, you know, and he's hugging me. It's okay, mom, I'll quit. I'll quit. But you do, you kind of go to the other end of the spectrum because I'm not going to go through this again. I'm not going to lose right? another child this way. And, right? you know, I started, you know, getting a little more you know, proactive, I guess. So um, you do, you really have a lot of fear of, of that and letting go of that and letting, you know, God just understand God's, these are God's kids. I, I, they're not mine. And I just had to let go of that and let, you know, again, it's just, it's a time thing. It just took me time. It took me constantly saying, you know, Lisa, they're not your kids. They're God's kids. You let him take care of it. And I'm like, okay, okay, but wait a minute. (laughs) I lost one already. I don't want to lose another one. You know, somehow I felt like I had, could take charge of that, but I know I can't. Again, they're adults and they had to make those decisions. So that was tough. Very tough. I mm-hmm. think it still is for mm-hmm. me. And I, you say it take a long time. How long to take it? <laughs> hey, I'm a slow learner. You're probably faster than me. I don't I'm, know. I'm kind of like, Meh. it It just, I, I really couldn't put a timetable on it. Yeah. I just know that here I am 11 years later and I just can't, I just don't let myself get worked up about it anymore. If if I know things are going on or if there's if troubles in my within my family, I've just, trained myself enough just to say, you know what, God, they're your kids. Um, I'm giving them over to you and I'll let you take care. You know what's going on in their hearts. I don't. So, and that's, that's not easy to do. And I don't always do it. Um, I do worry and I do get involved. I'm not a perfect mom, but I do really try hard each time just to just keep telling myself that. So yeah, I don't can't tell you no timetable because <laughs> well, yeah, That's I'm just asking tricky. for one because yeah, I, yeah. I mean, now I'm sending my daughter off to college Yikes. in yeah. four days. Yeah, yeah. Do you know how hard that is yeah. when the only I, way I've said goodbye is yeah. forever. Yeah. yeah so it is hard to say goodbye, especially this year when I know I won't see her till Thanksgiving, right? Because right. oh. she has to stay. Oh. So one, it's it's a challenge though. Right. It's a challenge that you just want to hang on to them so tightly. Marcy, you and I've talked many times about telling others what we need. One of my suggestions would be for you and your daughter to sit down and say, you know, you're going off. This is exciting. I want to give you this time, but here's some things that I might need and then compromise on what that would look like. So if you want to hear from her, three times a day maybe you can you know compromise on every You're watching night my, my teary eyes yes. when you say three times but, a day yeah okay. 
Because I that did when my kids yes. went off. Tell me where you are. Or did you make it to your class? Or you're doing, Mom, I'm walking to the dining hall. I'm fine. Well, but Do you have your you pepper know, spray? You when know? you know anything can happen in a second. Right. Yeah. It's just... Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's and a I have way to live. I have um, some children who are good at communicating to, <laughs> to ease my um, anxiety. And then I have some who aren't. And then I get this. Hmm. And I just did this this weekend. She's going to be 23. Yeah, she's going to be 23 next month. And I did that. Did you oversleep? Are you hung over? Are you in a ditch? Like your mom needs some details of where you are right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I needed her to know that it's not that I don't trust her. I needed that. So that would be my suggestion. Um, yeah. I think back to the first time I really freaked out after uh, Andy died. He, she had her driver's license. She did not drive for a bit after Andy died only because, you know, Andy had died in a car accident and she didn't trust herself. Mm-hmm. And apparently she had always had a fear that she would get rear-ended and killed. She told me that's how always had been her fear. So then when it happened to her brother, she felt like it happened to the wrong kid. That's what she said. So, so anyway, it was hard for her to get to drive again. But then when she did, she went to go see a friend of hers and her phone had died. And so, and she wasn't back and I'm freaking out. And I'm, it's the first time I really did. And my husband's saying, it's fine. It's fine. And I just remember just crying and sobbing and saying, I can't lose another one. Mm-hmm. Right. I just can't do this again. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. We're all just shaking our heads here. Yes. I get it. I get yeah, that. I do. I get that. Yep. And it, it, it's, again, it's just as time goes on, you do start to calm down and that anxiety and that fear, it, it sits in the back of my brain still, mm-hmm. but it isn't overtaking my the front of my thoughts anymore. You know, I'm still, I, I still can enjoy life and still enjoy my kids. And yeah, that's not consuming my life anymore. So you get, you get there. It's just. That's, that's yeah. interesting that you put it that way, how the fear takes over that part of your brain. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right there. Those, mm-hmm. all of those grief emotions just end up going so much to the forefront that the rest of you can't think um, and it just kind of takes over Mm -hmm. so that is what you need to work on in general and you know grief is a wound yeah and so you are wounded so if you have a bruise and you bump it it hurts more than if you just bumped healthy skin Mm -hmm. right so we are bruised so every little bump we feel we feel yeah full strength yeah Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that would have been an awfully big bump when your youngest started trying the marijuana. And it is funny how kids are these days. Well, I don't know. It's probably always been. But I think it's because I am now in the point in my pediatrics practice where I have a lot of teens, right? Because mm. I've taken care of them since they were little. But I've been doing this for 16 years now. So now they do come in and... It's surprising to me how honest they are with me. Well, sometimes. that's what I was going to ask. Do they answer you honestly? Like, oh, it's just a little weed. I mean, I get that all the time, yeah. and the, then I have to talk to them about what just a little weed does and how you make poor choices, mm-hmm. because that that is what I think they just don't have the capacity to understand that. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. They feel like they're invincible. And that these choices won't have consequences. And I'll tell them, you know, other things like just a little weed 
makes you have unprotected sex mm-hmm. and you know yeah. things like that too mm-hmm. it makes you do stupid stuff right yeah. so and sometimes yeah. the stupid stuff is then trying harder drugs right. or things right. like that you just don't know but it is such a challenge yeah. when you get that attitude and i personally think it's not been helpful that it's now legal to I smoke know, marijuana in Michigan and many other states right. because it does make them feel like they can say yeah. just a little weed because it's not a big deal because, right. I, you know, if as soon as I'm a certain age, I can do it anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, that's, and that's still a struggle <clears throat> with a couple of my boys. And I think that part of it for them is they're still working through the grief of Jordan. We, you know, we didn't bring him to counseling unfortunately we didn't bring him to a group and so I don't know that my husband and I ever did a really good job of helping them with their grief mm-hmm. and so I'm not excusing it but in part I wonder if some of it is coping with yeah. what they're dealing with and it, maybe it hit them harder and deeper than I knew um, and so there again I go into this mom guilt of oh I didn't help my kids and so I hopefully I know it's never too late for them to get help that's never too late for counseling and so I am praying them into some sort of of help but we've had to address it still Mm -hmm. unfortunately Um, like you said it's just because it is so accessible now it's you know they're given I think it's almost the lie that they're told it's safer than alcohol yep Um, all these kids say that to me they all say it's safer than cigarettes safer than alcohol right they all say that right so I don't know how they're learning that or how they're getting that information or who's telling them that, but, and that's frustrating, you know, it is. it's it, anything that you have to have, I think it, whether it's food or, or anything, you know, if you, if you have to have that to cope with something, then there's something wrong, yes. you know? Yes. So I've, I'm still trying to address that with my kids, but I just don't know what to do other than just, like I said, I give them to the Lord and say, here we go, you know, and we've let them know we're not happy with their choices, but we love them through it. They're adults. And yeah, again, they'll just have to cross that bridge of, of choices down the road. So, well, I'm glad that you feel like you can let go of that Mm -hmm. because that is so healing and helpful to be able to do that. Right. Mm Yeah. Not an easy process though. No, I want to be in charge. (laughs) Yes. Don't we all? Yeah, if they just mm-hmm. did it my way, things I would know. be so much easier. I know, and, right? I, and I still can't seem to figure out why they can't get that. <laughs> but one of the things that we mentioned before is just knowing resources, and I think having other moms to talk to, and you know the shame that Lisa was talking about, and the fear of judgment. Um, just having maybe someone else who's walked that road. Um, that you can talk to so there are groups in different areas and again we'll put up some of those websites that are national that people can get information about but seeking counsel if you don't have that friend or the people and and when I talked about speaking guilt and you know we didn't address anger totally but that anger at yeah you know whoever provided it or anger at their friends or anger at them all those things are good to process outside of ourselves. If we carry them, they, they don't heal. And yeah. so we have to be able to speak them and say, I'm angry and I'm upset about this and I have to work through it. And so there's no cause for shame with those feelings. It's just finding a way to process them and work them out. When Lisa mentioned right from the hospital, you said I started with forgiveness. Like I walked in and that was going to be my start. 
I've heard so many beautiful stories about people's responses that way. And I've often wondered or questioned like, Gwen, I'm not so sure that's going to be her response. You know, yeah, yeah. like I, I'm not that good, Lisa. I, I don't know that I'm that saintly or that's not going to be my first response. But I have to forgive myself. And if, if one of you people listening didn't lead with that, it's never too late to lead with that, you know, like to, to add it to your wardrobe. So you didn't dress that way in the morning and you didn't when it happened, but now I can walk in forgiveness. It reminded me of years ago, listening to focus on the family late one night coming home from work. And I don't remember who they were. It was a husband and wife. They told this story. They were in bed. It was the middle of the night and their daughter came in and said, don't turn on the light. I have to tell you some bad news and I don't want you to see my face. And the husband said he grabbed his wife's hand and whispered, lead with love. And I remember thinking, that was yeah. amazing. Yeah, um, that's powerful. So ever since I've heard that, I, you know, I have tried. I'm not saying I don't try, but I haven't always succeeded. And I think to forgive yourself for that too, but that love and forgiveness and all those things, forgiving ourselves, forgiving others, is something we can still wear, even if it's not the first thing we put on. Mm-hmm. And, and I think if you need to go to the cemetery and yell at your child for a bit too, mm-hmm. I think that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, you can still express that anger that's actually what will be helpful and yep. will probably lead you further down on that road to forgiveness. Right. Yep. And to just do that and express the anger and be okay. And it's okay to be ticked off. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Because I think you can feel guilt over that too. Right. Right? I mean, if if you have a child that died and it's, it's their fault. Yeah. Right. I mean, it was bad choice. It was a stupid choice, whether it was on purpose or accidental. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It was not a good choice. So I think it's okay to be angry with them too. Mm -hmm. It's, you definitely don't want to live with that anger forever right. and you want to oh, get yeah. to the point of forgiveness. But whether you were able to do it in the hospital mm-hmm. on that very first day, mm-hmm. there might right. be others that it takes a few years to get mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And I think either way is fine. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Lisa, it was very brave of you to share your story today. And I know that that's not easy. And I just know that it has touched a lot of moms as all of your people who share I hear stories all the time of oh I listened and that touched me and they can't wait for the next one to come out so just your bravery and being able to do that and um, I know yeah I know this is a challenge it's funny because I have known you now for two years right I know I I have never heard your story really yeah and we've been in groups together and yours is always just a little closer to home you always just keep it a little closer inside I do yeah. I've always yeah. known Jordan's name, yeah. but not a lot about what happened. So right. I thank you for opening up. I think it will be so helpful to people. You just don't know. I've definitely had so many people reach right. out that this is such a struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a struggle. Yeah. It's just so much different than when your child dies by an accident or by an illness. That's an additional amount of pain. Yeah, yeah. So thank you again for sharing. Well, I appreciate it very much for being asked. And thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. 
please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.